freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. everybody welcome to episode number 333 of gun freedom radio where we engage we educate and we inform we are brought to you by azfirearmsauctions.com where you set the price on guns ammo and accessories i am one of your hosts cheryl todd and i'm the other guy dan todd mm-hmm. Our th- our theme today is Chasing the Truth, and our guest today is Paloma Capana. Paloma has been speaking and writing for about the Second Amendment as the modern civil rights movement for nearly 15 years. In more than 25 years, in state and federal courtrooms, Paloma has represented plaintiffs in group groundbreaking civil rights litigation. An award-winning activist and writer, Paloma chases truth until it is treed. And her latest work is a book titled the events of January 6, 2021, what impact the Second Amendment movement? Absolutely. Welcome back to the show, Miss Paloma. Well, thank you so much, Cheryl and Dan, for having me on. I am missing seeing everyone in person. I was hoping this September's conference might be live, but looks like we either all have to go to SHOT Show or I'll see you September 2022. That's getting scary, too. They're talking about the they made everybody wear masks again in the public places in Nevada. That's going to be scary, you know, but I mean, the SHOT Show, they got to put a lot of money in it in advance. So scary I'm pretty in sure the sense gonna... that it might get canceled again. Yeah. So I don't know. So yeah. we'll see. We're taking it one, uh, one day at a time. And today is Monday, August 2nd of 2021. And so that gives people kind of a, a pinpoint on the calendar of where we are in the craziness of our weird Twilight Zone episode we've been stuck in for the past nearly two years, right? Yes. Absolutely. Well, we can't turn it off and, like oh, you can on the TV I Twilight wish. Zone. I so wish. And that really does take us to your latest work. This, this book, it's, it's not a booklet. It is a workbook and it is chock full of great information. It is titled The Events of January 6th, 2021, What Impact the Second Amendment Movement? And I want you to walk us through, but I kind of want to jump to the end first. I'm kind of like that with my books, like where are we going before I find out how we got there? And tell us if this has helped you draw any conclusions about what the heck this January 6th thing was all about. And that's really why I started down the path as well. I turned on the TV on January 6th, somewhat randomly for me in terms of during the day. So just seconds into events unfolding. Right away, the media was calling out Oath Keepers, Oath Keepers, which for me did not make any sense right from the starting bell of the events of that day. I'm familiar with the organization. I have met the founder, Stuart Rhodes. I have some sense of its place on the spectrum of Second Amendment or, if you will, Republican groups. And it just was not making sense to me how much focus was being put on patches and Mm T-shirts. What I came to find very shortly thereafter, within days, three individuals were charged. And they were charged largely because of their clothes. (laughs) They are accused of wearing patches and t-shirts, which for me as a Second Amendment supporter, I mean, how many t-shirts do we have in our closets? Honestly, all of us in terms of annual dues or donations made, the occasional 5K, although not often. And I tried to look at the initial pleadings filed by the United States Department of Justice. 
their allegations were so thin. Mm. Membership, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. Have these defendants even paid any annual dues? Do they go to any meetings? Have they made the effort to get to a national conference? Have they been on site for any specific activities that the organization has engaged in and so forth? And none of that was there. So Cheryl, if you like, you know, fast forward to now, seven months later, what are we looking at? Yeah. We're looking at now a total of 19 men and women that I say are tagged as being Oath Keepers. That does mean that there is little to zero allegations made by the government that they are actual members in mm -hmm. the way that you and I think of being members. All three of us are very active in yeah. going to conferences, sure. reading publications, put out, et cetera. There is no parallel type of allegations against these individuals. Hmm. Three of them have already taken plea deals very recently. So three individuals, and that would be Caleb Berry, Mark Grodz, and Graydon Young. From time to time, you're going to see me sort of looking up. So in front of me at my desk, I have what makes my office really look like a command center of ground operations because I have various charts, right, with the various defendants, the status of their cases, and so forth. What particularly irked me when I looked at those plea agreements was that they were pleading guilty to two charges that I'm not finding in other cases or even in the other plea deals struck by other non-Oathkeeper defendants. So these three men have pled guilty to conspiracy. We can circle back to that at any point you would like. And they've pled guilty to 18 USC section 1512 subdivision C subdivision two. All right, let me take you in the weeds for one second. The Department of Justice keeps calling this charge obstruction of Congress. Mm -hmm. Anytime an attorney cites you to a statute, the statute already contains the title. So, for example, if I was referencing the children's book, Peter Pan, I would call it Peter Pan because that's the title from the author. I would not call it floating along with Tinkerbell. In this particular case, though, the Department of Justice made up the title. Mm -hmm. That statute is not obstruction of Congress. That statute is actually a prohibition against tampering with witnesses in criminal trials. Mm -hmm. Right, I know. Uh, talking <laughs> to me tends to be a little bit like Alice in Wonderland. It does. Because well, it, it, it bends your sensibilities of what an attorney should be doing, let alone lead attorneys prosecuting for the United States of America against Americans. So let me just interject real quick and say that you, um, you have a, a, an ongoing blog to kind of keep yes. us, all, us all abreast of what is happening. Mm -hmm. That blog, uh, give us the address for the blog. 2ampatriot.com. So two o'clock in the morning is what the AM, 2ampatriot.com. Yes. And uh, you say that because when you wake up at two o'clock in the morning, where does your brain go? Well, a lot of us, it goes to the state of our situation with our rights and our nation. And um, you, your most recent, uh, at least over the weekend, I think, was about that very statute. I'm scrolling back on my yes. Facebook feed here trying to find it. But you you lay that out very clearly mm -hmm. using that big, long number for the statute and mm -hmm. trying to help people understand that it is an actual statute. It does actually stand for something, but it yes. does not stand for what it's being labeled as and used as in these particular cases. Correct. And, and perhaps, correct me if I'm going in the wrong direction, when, when whatever force, coercion, uh, whatever happens that causes people uh, to, to take these plea deals to just get on with mm -hmm. their life, just yes. get on with my life, right? That's probably, possibly what's going on here. Mm -hmm. uh, it now colors, it gives weight to, and then colors all of the other people who are sitting there waiting for their turn 
to to be processed through the legal channels. Am I sort of sure. on the right plane? You are. So let me give it another twist. Mm -hmm. At the same time that these three men were being presented with the DOJ plea agreements or plea proposals for their signature, other defendants' attorneys were moving to dismiss that exact charge against their clients. Mm -hmm. So imagine, if you will, 19 defendants with 19 different attorneys. Mm -hmm. And imagine attorneys having regular caseloads and so forth. And in my own mind, I'm even saying, okay, if I represented one of these defendants, would I be on weekly conference calls with the other defense counsel? I, I'm a little bit type A, so it's possible <laughs> I would have been organizing such a thing. Right. But let's just assume that the, the more typical thing would be these 19 attorneys are doing their best to represent their clients fairly independently of each other. So these three guys are being presented with plea deals. And then over here are other defendants moving to dismiss that very count. Last Thursday at four o'clock, the Department of Justice filed its response to the papers moving to dismiss mm. that count. Mm. And they admitted that, well, there's never been a case under that statute section, but we know what it means. And so that's why we're using it. Oh, wow. Wow is right. So I, I think everybody, including the defendants, even those who are being held over in prison, pending trial. Still. Yeah, yes, yes. And there are three who are still, including one of the men who took the plea deal, Graydon Young. They need to understand their place in the history of the Constitution. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They may have gone with the simplest of motivations to see what was going on at the Capitol. Mm -hmm. Even the Department of Justice claims that these 19 men and women who are oath keepers mm -hmm. didn't arrive at the Capitol until an hour and a half after the Capitol was breached. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So even the government has no question that they did not initiate the physicalness of what happened on January 6th. And because they're wearing some particular kind of clothing... Yes. They're the ones that land in jail. Right. End up for however they end up taking this plea deal that's now going to mm -hmm. color things in mm -hmm. a certain way for history. Paloma, I, I, mm -hmm. I have to say something here. I yes. I'm I'm not a conspiracy person. Right. But when you look at something like this and you say, okay, the government wants this to be true. They, they want do. it to be that they're an uprising. Yes. So yes. if they take three people and they threaten them and they push them hard mm -hmm. and just stay on track and they get them to plea, mm -hmm. now it shows that the government was right, that there really was this thing going on. Right. It's irritating to me because, I mean, if we would have had the time, we would have went to the Capitol mm -hmm. just to show support for the government, you know, the world or, 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 or you know, whatever, right. but, but What's not, on, not to go and historic moment. No, it just irritates me. And so it looks to me like they're purposely making this look this way. So mm -hmm. then all the other people will be afraid to even step foot on the Capitol grounds for mm -hmm. any reason, because they could be, they could be arrested. Yes. And Dan, you're raising all the right points. There's two things I should say in response to that. It's not conspiracy theory to look at the facts of what is happening. I am an attorney, 26 years in state and federal courtrooms. I have never myself personally witnessed opposing counsel misrepresenting the law in any case. Mm -hmm. I have never heard of such an instance, let alone that I am looking at the systematic false representation of the law occurring by more than one attorney inside the US DOJ office, including in plea deals being signed off on by American citizens that include terms, get ready for this, willing to become a covert agent of the government. I'm sorry, wow. what? Willing to become? This yes. Is, okay, yes. Grace, this is one of the charges? So, no, these three defendants in, in their terms and conditions of the plea deal have agreed oh. to become covert agents of the well, government. How about they already were? Well, 
There could be. Well, I'm going to hedge you on that slightly because I'm an attorney. So I'm always dealing with the what have we got to work with. Just but let me give you some food for thought on the what have we got to work with. So I mentioned that Graydon Young is already in prison. He was charged fairly early. He's one of the first 12 who were charged. But the other two, Caleb Berry and Mark Grodz, their plea deals were released the same day that their names were released. Hmm. The DOJ has a paper file that says that they were under seal to protect them. Hmm. There are no allegations other than their age and their state of residence. There is no statement of what they supposedly even did, if you will, to participate other than walking inside the Capitol building and walking back out in a span of approximately four to 15 minutes. This is by the government's own papers. But what the three defendants do, uh, if you will, that harms the Second Amendment movement is they sign off on something called a statement of offense. Normally, the statement of offense is, I, John Smith, went to the US Capitol on January 6th at high noon, I crossed onto the grass, I raised my fist to the sky, and I shouted, long live the Second Amendment. End of story. Mm -hmm. Not so here. These three defendants have signed off on a statement of offense that actually condemns the entire crowd that was at the Capitol, that says that they are all guilty, that says that they all interfered with the electoral college process. These statements of offenses drafted by the US DOJ contain things that these men cannot possibly personally know. Right. They were not even there at the beginning. Right. How can they speak for all of the different people from all of the different parts of the nation who yes. showed up for all the different reasons that they showed up for? The same Correct. reason, the same reason that they can charge them with uh, uh, um, obstruction of, of Congress yeah. and not even have a, a, a statue for that because they can. So let me ask, let me go back to this, you know, hey, if, if we accept your plea deal, right, that basically the government's probably like, here is your plea deal, you sign it, we'll see if we want to accept it, right? Mm -hmm. So if we accept your plea deal, mm -hmm. then we want you to agree that if we need a spy, mm -hmm. a covert agent, right, that you will be that person. My mind immediately goes to a historical time when we had this big wall between East mm -hmm. and West Germany. Mm -hmm. And in East G Germany, it, it was that exact same situation. The government used citizens, they coerced them, they caught them in some kind of a crime or some something. They made a crime yes. up. Made a crime up, whatever. And mm -hmm. then caused them to be the, the snitch, the yes. spy for all of their, their neighbors and associates. If this doesn't give us hot and cold chills running through our veins, Right. I don't know. I don't know what will, but including that, that's terrifying to me. Including asking the cultural question here: If someone is going to agree to be a covert agent, why are you publishing that? Yeah, because they want a so, they want a message. So, right, right. So I think you know what we really have to be asking ourselves is: Listen, historically, the FBI has used informants, but nobody can tell me that that's news nor can anyone tell me that's conspiracy theory, right? I can go back to the Earth Liberation Front, Animal Liberation Front, Socialist Workers of America, Communist Party USA, American Indian Movement. You know, I, I can kind of go on and on. And folks on the right may say, oh, well, those are leftists and that's okay. And I'm simply saying, listen, this is people versus government. This is questions of overreach. This is questions of what we want our government focusing on, including with our tax money in terms of the prosecution of crimes. And by the way, look at what just happened in Michigan. Mm -hmm. FBI agents were actually instigating the plot for the kidnapping of the Michigan governor. Yes. What? So, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, that. <laughs> <laughs> so, the F so the FBI yes, had had a dozen agents on the ground with the groups and they actually initiated the plan 
and brought and others the into said, their hey, plan. We did this. Yes, you know, to do the kidnapping. The other, mm -hmm. So it'd be like an FBI agent coming to me and say, hey, uh, let's let's rob a bank. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, put the idea in my head right. that I had no idea to do. Right. right. And by the way, we have the means to help you do it. We've got guns. We've got a getaway car and so forth. Yes. Oh, my gosh. So you really have to ask yourself, what is the FBI trying to get us to do at this time? Are they saying that we should take the photographs of these three men and circulate them to all of our meetings? and say, if these three men walk in the room, be sure to close the door and shut them out. I mean, to me, that is really the ultimate trying to sow seeds of division mm -hmm. among our groups when we try to get together to be educated and informed on the issues, to discuss legislation that is pending, to sign letters and petitions in opposition and so forth. Oh, it's you know, definitely the, psychological warfare. Yes. Right. Yes. So that we start to not trust anyone, not Correct. to trust each other, because Correct. we have these three people that we can absolutely look at and yes. say, well, they're tainted. Mm -hmm. Maybe. We don't know. Right. We, tainted. We've been to several gun related Second Amendment events all over the world, all over the country. Mm -hmm. And there's no event that I would be afraid that somebody that was an informant was at. No. Come on down. Yeah. It, Maybe we can convince you to. It's to, true, you know? but it's still if you're associated is, uh, with yeah. with somebody, it, it just creates dissension yeah. and distrust. It, it does, it does for sure, and and so that I think is one of the questions that we really have to be asking ourselves. Part of what I did in my book in section E was to say, what is membership in an organization? Who within the organization actually has the membership list? Mm -hmm. One of the allegations that I found in an article in the Atlantic when I was doing research was that the reporter had been given a copy of the membership list of the Oath Keepers. Mm -hmm. That's not good. Well, yeah. you know, it, it's not good from the standpoint that I don't have any reason to believe the Oath Keepers have engaged in illegal activity. But when anyone joins a group, and you give your name and your address and your uh, generally cell phone number these days, you know, and your email address and so forth, you're trusting that the organization is holding that information for the purposes to which you have agreed. Right. 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 Uh, also, including that, you know, we're not going to be spammed and so forth. Right. I, we may be at a point now in electronic merger and intelligence that our emails are just completely breached, including the content of our attachments. If you sit and read the papers filed by the DOJ, very infrequently do they use the word warrant. And as we know from a number of the news reports, companies like Bank of America were simply turning records over voluntarily, trying to save their own face with their investors and customers and so forth. So, you know, there, there is even for me this question of at some point, will gun owners start to use their money to protect themselves? So if we know the Bank of America turned over credit card and debit card account information voluntarily on persons using their charge and debit cards in and around the Washington, D.C. area between January 6th and January 20th, is there anybody out there who can raise their hand and say, I was a Bank of America customer? On the basis of that information, I took my business elsewhere. So I don't you know, know that, that particular piece is very well known, but I'm hoping that everybody listening now and does now know will put that into their thought processes and their decision making about where they, who they support, what businesses they support with their dollars. Uh, right. We are being invited out of corporations and organizations left, right, and center. And by we, I mean conservatives, mm -hmm. uh, Second yes. Amendment supporters. Um, well, we were chased out of Chase Bank because of we had firearms. They the pretty business. well told, yes. us, uh, told us they yes. didn't want our business. Yeah. They chased us out, so we left. So I didn't but, know that. Thank you yeah. for sharing that. So um, there's so much here. I think I'm going to have to have you on like nine more times. Paula, I, I, do, uh, do, we have, do we have a cure for this? Uh, you know, the, the, the great news, the happy news that I have is, is that the system is amazing, right? The constitution is still there. The structure is just the best design 
known to man. But I think that we have to get up off the sofa. Mm. We have relied too heavily on the media in the day and age of us leading busy lives. Mm -hmm. You know, I posed the question in my blog last week, what if the people on January 6th went to the Capitol, walked through the door and went upstairs in the Senate to the gallery? Mm -hmm. What if we had gone to witness it in person Mm -hmm. and been turned away? Mm -hmm. Where then would public sentiment be? Mm we have to start exercising our rights and our responsibilities and put in the work for opposition letters, which you can also find on my website. There are two bills pending right now in Congress that we absolutely must do everything to make our voice heard to oppose because it will deny your second amendment rights to purchase a firearm if you are so much as under investigation for Mm. domestic terrorism. Under investigation, not even charged, not even convicted, but under investigation and within the last 10 years going forward. Do you have those bill numbers off the top of your head? Yes, I do. So the number one piece that we have to go after, sadly, is Senator Mark Rubio, if you can Mm -hmm. believe that. His Senate Bill 183 is the bill that would call, call for problems if we are so much as under investigation. The bill, however, that is gaining a lot of momentum with more than 200 co-sponsors is House Bill 350 by Congressman Snyder. It already has a same as in the Senate with Senator Durbin. This is the bill that would fund the FBI and the DOJ and other intelligence agencies like NHS to start investigating and prosecuting Americans as domestic terrorists, beefing up the staff in order for them to do so. And the one bone they throw in there is it would create one employee in each agency to watch out for civil rights violations in those investigations and prosecutions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it specifies one. I'm not making this up. It specifies one, O-N-E, one, one employee to combat entire agencies Yeah, no. for hundreds of investigations. Mm-hmm. This, this is what we're up they, against. That they gave it a nod anyway. So that's SB 183 authored yes. by Marco Rubio. It's HB mm-hmm. 350 authored by Congressman Snyder. Yes, Uh, we are going to start hammering uh, information about that, because to be totally honest, I should know about both of these and I Mm -hmm. they're not on the top of my head. I've got HR one on the top of my head, but that's a Mm -hmm. whole it's a related but different, you know, where it's federalizing the the voting process, which is something our founders would have been their hair would have been on fire about. Mm -hmm. Um, But not let's not get off the track here, but those are awesome. Uh, bits of information. So that whole idea about the domestic terrorist. Yes. To me, and we we chatted about this a little bit off air, Mm -hmm. because my phraseology was, you know, uh, you know, it made sense to me that the domestic terrorist uh, charge, whatever definition, whatever you want to call it, to me feels like there's a chicken and an egg situation going on. So do we have a problem with domestic terrorism? And so we need this to be looked at and investigated and taken care of through these two SB 183s and HB 350s. Or is it this, um, you know, trying to find a problem? Mm -hmm. So if we can cause these three people or however many people to admit to something, Mm -hmm. well, now we can justify that there is a problem. So that's when I said chicken and an egg, that's kind of where I was coming from. And you understood it and said it so much better than I did. So No, not at all. Not at all. It's a chicken. Chicken okay. first. Chicken first. So in 1992, under the first President Bush, in a very small five-page bill, we arrived at the definition of international terrorism. You know, you might recall back in the day, there were hostages and hostages taken on airplanes and, you know, U.S. citizens abroad doing things like oil refinery development who were being taken hostage and so forth. So, you know, that that statute was already there. 
when 9-11 happened. There had already been prosecutions. It existed. It had uh, been vetted, if you will, through some courts. What most people don't know is that when the Patriot Act passed a few days after 9-11, it contained the definition of domestic terrorism. Hmm. And that, I think, is, again, another one of these Alice in Wonderland scenarios. Mm-hmm. 150-page Patriot Act, it contains the domestic terrorism provision. Mm-hmm. I am one of those wonky people who reads bills in draft and you know after they pass and so forth. So I have literally been talking on this topic for 20 years Wow! this September. I have been called un-American. I've been told I am soft on national security, you know, and it, it does make me laugh to some degree because on another show, we could talk about just what a hawk I am about our, our national defense. Absolutely. But to me, from the beginning, it looked like the statute that would ultimately be used against us. And any activist of any political persuasion unpopular with the government at a particular moment in time. Mm -hmm. We've seen this already, things like the House Un-American Affairs Committee, right? Mm -hmm. Where in the 50s, Hollywood was on trial. Did it matter if you were communist or not? People naming names, Mm -hmm. families in ruin and so forth. Mm-hmm. So, you know, here we are 70 years later, and I suppose the FBI thinks, well, people have forgotten about the past and, you know, let's and just do us. this again, <laughs> right? Yes, and fortunately, not all of us. Not, because... even, not, even, not even our history, but the history of other countries too. Yes. And, you know, if you don't, if you say anything about the government, mm-hmm. now you're a terrorist. Anything yes. at all is basically what they're saying. And do you trust the FBI this question is for everyone. Do you trust the FBI to run that efficiently? They're going to they're gonna look at anybody that says anything about the government. Mm-hmm. They're going to come after them. And that is scary. Unless you're like an Antifa or something. And that's the thing that's so wonky to me is that we had an entire year mm-hmm. of cities being burned to the ground and and police departments being, uh, you know, yeah. overrun and, and, you know, whole city blocks being commandeered by people. I mean, and that wasn't in any way called domestic terrorism or, you know, that was, that was the summer of love. One, one mayor or uh, governor or somebody said, but then here's this, this isolated incident that happened on the Capitol. And now suddenly we have a huge problem and something must be done and we have to, you know, anyway, but we interrupted you. No, it's, no, it's true. I mean, imagine if on January 6th, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene had come to the door of the Capitol and used her keys to unlock it mm-hmm. and let everybody in. Mm-hmm. That's what happened in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. The councilwoman used her keys to unlock the door. Several hundred people went in They essentially had what amounted to an open mic Mm -hmm. and an airing of grievances and commentary, Mm -hmm. and they left, and she Mm -hmm. locked the door behind them. No one was charged. Mm -hmm. Now, that's different, obviously, than issues of burning buildings. I'm I'm simply trying to say, as concerns January 6th, even Assistant Director of the FBI, Jill Sanborn, testified to Congress. They had no evidence or information that there was a conspiracy ahead of January 6th mm-hmm. to overrun the Capitol. Right. Because otherwise they would have had more uh, police presence there. Mm-hmm. And what do we keep hearing is that, you know, people were asking for police presence, maybe just because he knew there was going to be a huge crowd. I don't know all the details. And mm-hmm. then they were said, no, we're good. We got this. So if they had these verifiable um, threats that they could have pointed to, then there would have been a different uh, layer of, of police presence and protection, I believe. So spin yourself then to the other end of this whole thing, which is that there are several men and women who are incarcerated mm-hmm. pending trial. So these are American citizens on U.S. soil in U.S. jails. For Among the, the 19 defendants that I am tracking, three continue to be incarcerated. So we have uh, Jessica Watkins, Kelly Meggs, and Mark Grayson. Mm-hmm. 
these are three of the defendants that Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene and three other members of Congress went to see last Thursday. Mm -hmm. They were denied entry to the prisoners. They were backed up from the reception desk and told to, to unclog the area. Mm -hmm. Then they were told that they were trespassing and would be facing charges. Then they were told to go outside the doors of the prison, which they did. Then the prison doors were locked from inside and no one was permitted entry, including a random lawyer who was showing up to see a client of his incarcerated in the prison. And that 23 minutes of unedited news footage is available for you to watch. I do have the link both on my Facebook page and I will be adding it shortly to my website. So you can see for yourself that even Representative Green, when asked, put on the face mask. All four members of Congress were at all times polite and professional. Mm -hmm. They explained to the prison guards they had just been down to the border. Mm -hmm. and had spoken with prisoners there mm -hmm. and been able to ask them questions. Mm. So we have a situation right now where I had already been saying since April, these prisoners are being treated like enemy combatants. Mm -hmm. And at least Jessica Watkins, the argument can be made, has been subjected to enhanced interrogation techniques. So mm -hmm. stripped naked and left in a lighted cell unattended for extended periods of time. This is U.S. citizens on U.S. soil in U.S. prisons. Wow. That's For being at the Capitol. Unreal to yeah. me. So we need to start wrapping up for today, but we are definitely going to revisit this and talk about this again if you'll come back on. Thank you. I would love to because it's still a dynamic and evolving situation. So Please, everyone, don't treat this as a one episode of Gun Freedom Radio. Tune in to, to listen to the updates. Absolutely. And the blog on the 2ampatriot.org. Com. Dot com. Yes. Um, so again, help us understand how this has anything to do with the Second Amendment again, because as I understand it, none of the people who showed up at the Capitol mm -hmm. had firearms of any sort, mm -hmm. uh, because there are laws against that. I've spoken on the lawn of the, the United States Capitol building. I've, I've visited many times to our Capitol to speak with our legislators and just to be a tourist. And, and I know that that is one of the places as a, as a responsibly armed citizen, I, I obey the laws of the area I'm going. So as I understand it, all of these people were obeying that law. How is any of this tied in with the Second Amendment and the Second Amendment community? So you are correct, Cheryl, and let me just confirm for all of our listeners, it is the testimony of FBI Director Christopher Wray that there were no firearms recovered at the Capitol on January 6th. There are no charges against any defendant of January 6th for any manner of firearms infraction. So. This is not, again, conspiracy theory. This is testimony of the director of the FBI. And I apologize, Cheryl, the question concerning how is it linked to the Second Amendment? I'm half British. My dad was English. And so I think I've been raised with a different and higher, if you will, litany of stories about World War II and have traveled extensively in and through Europe. Americans have a particularly bad habit of saying, oh, look, my next door neighbor is being taken away by the police, as opposed to, oh my gosh, my next door neighbor is being taken away by the police. You know, mm. what is happening here? Could I be next? Mm. Mm -hmm. It is not enough to say, oh, it's the Oath Keepers. Oh, they're radical. Oh, Stuart Rhodes has never spoken at our conferences. He's simply a Yale Law School graduate on the fringe of things. It is not enough to say Oath Keepers is a militia movement. It is not enough to say, oh, three percenters, they're just too radical to be members of the NRA. Mm. Oath Keepers originated during Hurricane Katrina when a city in the midst of chaos wanted its citizens to voluntarily disarm. Mm -hmm. I remember that. I wouldn't say that Stuart Rhodes is likely to be with me at Senator Rubio's chambers arguing against Senate Bill 183, 
I am more focused on the second amendment than is Stuart, mm-hmm. but he's only one person away from me. Mm-hmm. And that is how we have to view all of our critical assets, our brain trust persons like yourselves mm-hmm. who carry years of history and the skills to get to Washington to do the lobbying and make our voices heard. Mm-hmm. Members of organizations, even life member of the NRA. That's a list, ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. And if the Southern Poverty Law Center list of mm-hmm. radicals and domestic extremists becomes what is adopted after statutes, like I've mentioned, pass, mm-hmm. all of us stand to have our assets frozen immediately pre-trial, mm-hmm. the same manner through which it happens to foreign terrorist organizations and individuals aiding and abetting. Mm-hmm. You have to treat that as a potential reality as of January 6th. Yeah. That's the point that we're at. There, but by the grace of fill in the blank, you know, with, there by the grace of God go I, there but by the grace of I didn't happen to be on the Capitol go I you know, yes. the capital grounds there, but by the grace of the FBI hasn't uh, found my name on the list that they're unhappy about But yet. we watched it on TV, so we're guilty. But we just did an episode talking about the subject, criticizing right. the government. Yes, yes, absolutely. So it's a, it's a tricky and frightening time. Uh, I am encouraged by you uh, re- re-emphasizing that the Constitution this poor little thing, this tiny little document, right? Our, our recipe book, our roadmap, people fought, bled, starved, and died to have the mm-hmm. opportunity to write this constitution. It still, I think, counts. You're saying it yes. counts? I hope Definitely. it counts. Definitely. And we do have to, but it, all, it can only count if we, if we even know it, right? Do, mm-hmm. If we've read it and if we make it count, And if we help others to understand, so we had our kickoff event this past weekend for calling all patriots to do letter signing in opposition. And I will tell you that more than 90% of the people who showed up, because I kept asking over and over, they had never signed a letter to Congress before. They have not participated as activists before. Yes, they are gun owners. Yes, we held it at a a gun store, Mm -hmm. but the energy was very much pressure on me. Okay, we've done this. What else can we do? What's next? When is the next event? Where do we go? People are, I think, ready. They've heard enough of the baloney and they want to get down to getting the job done to get this country back on track. I love it. And what we're calling for is letter writing. So anybody that wants to, you know, Try to treat us like they did President Trump, that we're inciting violence of some sort. We're talking about writing letters, people. So that is the call to action that we have here, right? Yes. Learning our constitution, um, hiring people with our votes that yes. understand and, and will take their oath to support and protect the constitution seriously. And then writing letters and speaking with our already elected representatives. Yes. Yeah. I, you know, Bloma, I probably shouldn't say this, but I think that, you know, you, you get to a point where writing letters doesn't seem with the government that they're trying to build right now. Mm-hmm. Letters doesn't seem to be the solution. However, by getting people together to encourage them to write letters mm-hmm. makes them aware of what's going on. And there's so many people just sleeping right now. They're not really seeing, like you said, your next door neighbor gets hauled off by the police. No big deal when it should be a big deal because you might be next. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that helping people be aware of what's going on is the strongest point, but I can't see Biden uh, or, or whatever her name is, the other one. Kamala. Kamala uh, other one. looking at letters and going, oh, maybe we should change the way we do things because they're not listening. Well, well Dan, remember the letters are not actually going to the executive branch. Right. The letters are going to the people who we have elected to represent us. Part of what we have to do as well is when our representatives do something right, we also need to support them. So even as the footage is happening of Representative Green at the prison 
because these prisoners is one of my huge issues, I'm already on the phone to her office Mm -hmm. and I'm leaving a voicemail. Mm -hmm. She has staff, there are call counts. Let's leave a positive message. The staffer can say, oh my gosh, Marjorie, come sit down, come sit down. I mean, you know how it feels after you do a big activism event. You know, you kind of sit down in your chair, your energy is very high. You're almost you know, trembling a little bit uh, when you really take a good stand. And they need to know that we support what they do that is right as yeah. well. Yeah. So when that happened too, I put right up on my law office Facebook page, the name and the phone numbers of the four members of Congress calling people, call these offices, let them know that is what we want them to do. Right. So, I mean, I've been complaining about the prisoners since April, but these are the people who can really make the issue a national issue and do the hard arm twisting in the back halls of Congress. Sometimes make exchanges. Okay, you want my vote on this bill? I need you to vote against this bill. Mm -hmm. Right. There is always some hen trading that's going sure, to go sure. on and we need to make sure that they are armed with our agenda yeah. and that's really where to some extent if you will for me violence does not help us represent the second amendment it does not help us convince soccer moms and working dads that they too need to get involved in our cause yeah. but yeah. events where we come together we educate, we take the steps we are entitled to make under the constitution. Look, then if we get charged, then you go to trial. Absolutely. Because you are not guilty of using first amendment rights to support the second amendment. Well, I am in no way saying that we should be violent with uh, getting what what we deserve, but I do Mm -hmm. think that you know, speaking with congressmen really does help a lot because they're hearing it from the other side too. They're yes. here for the people that are trying to destroy America to do mm-hmm. this, do this. And if, if they hear from the people mm-hmm. then, uh, and they have uh, honored this constitution, right? Yes, yes. they'll listen to the people. Yes. The other great thing, Dan, about the letter writing is this. Uh, when you're presenting a legislator Uh, Typically, I use colored papers just because then it's a little bit annoying as it moves around the desk and they try to annoy us, right? (laughs) But when I'm presenting them with a stack of, let's say, 57 blue pieces of paper opposing a bill, and they see 57 individual people. Mm -hmm. Now, they might like me. They might feel like I give them good briefings and ideas, and they might know me to be truthful, but I'm out speaking to people, and this is the opinion. But when I walk in there with 57 people with me Mm -hmm. and they can run them through voter rolls and see, wow, these are constituents in my district. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's a whole different ball game. So your name matters. And if you've never written a letter before and then you do, you know what? You've made 100% new difference that you never did before. So yes. I like to play the percentages. Uh, Ms. Paloma, this has been amazing. We definitely are going to be checking back in because as you said, this is dynamic, it's unfolding. It is so vitally important that we really seek to understand what is going on rather than just taking whole cloth, swallowing down without even chewing whatever's being fed to us by the news, right? Yes. And so we appreciate you. Please tell us how we can continue to follow this journey with you. Sure. Go to my website, 2ampatriot.com. If you prefer Facebook or Twitter, the little social media dots are right there. You can click on that too. And let me hear from you as well. What are you doing that's successful? And what are you hearing back when you contact your legislator? Fantastic. Thank you so much for all you do. We will definitely be talking again soon. Thank you both and all the listeners of Gun Freedom Radio. Thanks, Mama. Bye-bye. Wow, there's so much. I mean, I, I, I am angry that we're in this position. Yes. But I just want the listeners to know that I'm not, uh, I'm not so angry that I want to do something violent. I just want this fixed. Mm-hmm. And the best way is to write your your local Congress, your local representatives, mm-hmm. and let them know how you feel. Because if you don't, 
than the others are. Yeah. Oh, they sure are. They are not taking a nap. And ever. so you, you get crowded, you know, you, you don't, you don't understand clouded. You don't understand both sides of it. So send the letters, please. Absolutely. I love that idea. Um, and so please reach out to uh, and follow the work that Paloma A. Capana is doing at the 2ampatriot.com. Her blog is, I mean, so full of rich information. Um, it, it, and it's important. And this book, this workbook is amazing. And it looks, I mean, it's big. It could look intimidating, but it's broken into very uh, intuitive segments and sections and easy to, to digest and read. All right, we have got to move on out of here. Uh, thank you again to our awesome guest, Paloma A. Capana. Thank you to our amazing listeners all over the globe. Wherever there is internet, we have listeners and viewers. And we, when you spend your time with us, that is your most, most valuable commodity. And we appreciate it. Yes. It's noticed. It's important. Thank you. Um, if you would like to see any portion of this show or any of our others on the video in the video format, you can go to YouTube. I keep thinking we're going to get bumped off of YouTube when oh, I see will. some of the other people that are getting bumped off of YouTube. Uh, Gun Streamer, that is, uh, you know, the more Second Amendment co um, constitutional friendly version of YouTube, gunstreamer.com, or the smartphone app, OpsLens. And uh, if you like to listen to the audio only version while you're mowing the yard or taking a drive somewhere, or, you know, getting your morning run in, then you can go to gunfreedomradio.com, click the on demand tab and binge listen to your heart's content. I see you mocking me, Danny Ray Todd. And um, until then, oh, and if you want to see uh, photos and bios and, and all the stuff that our guests do besides having interviews on Gun Freedom Radio, click the guest tab. All right. Until next time, what are we going to do, Mr. Todd? We're going to pray for this nation double time starting yeah. right now. Pray double for time. The people who are in leadership positions, um, our representatives. Uh, what about the ones that we're frustrated with? We don't really like. There's quite a few of them. What about them? Send them a packet with the Constitution in it. <laughs> like a, a nice letter. But we could pray for them. Oh, too. Maybe, oh yeah, we could pray for them. Maybe especially yeah. we'll pray for them. Pray that they learn the Constitution. And until mm. next time, be good to each other. Have a great week. And God bless. Bye-bye. Okay.